0: Secrets to Real Estate Investing, episode 75. Welcome to the Secrets of Real Estate Investing Show, where you'll learn powerful strategies from top experts to take your investments to the next level. Here's your host and expert real estate investor,
1: Holly McCann.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing. Today we have one of our youngest guests ever, which I'm really excited about. Um, th- this guy is just amazing me that he's already got a couple rentals going and I'm really excited for him to share his strategy and speak to those of you that are the younger crowd, you know, those of you that could be my kids. Anyway, <laughs> with that, welcome to the show, Scott Trench.
1: Oh, thank you, Holly. It's great to be here.
0: Thanks so much for coming on the show. Why don't you start out by giving us your background and what you've done and how you got to where you are today?
1: Sure. So I, I graduated college uh, from Vanderbilt University in 2013. And then I went on a little backpacking tour and spent all the money I ever ha- I had ever made throughout my life to that point in Europe. And then started in the real world in about uh, August of 2013. And it took me about three months at my first job to figure out, hey, I don't want to be in a cubicle for the rest of my life crunching spreadsheets to make some other guy wealthy. And I had the good good luck of that job was actually fairly easy for me. And I had a little bit of downtime. So I would do research and try to improve myself and kind of learn more about financial concepts. And through this kind of well-intentioned effort to improve my career skills, I stumbled upon the concept of financial freedom. And so my first step on the financial freedom journey was actually not real estate investing, but rather I stumbled across a little blog called Mr. Money Mustache, which I guess is not so little anymore and probably wasn't so little at the time. Um, Mr. Money Mustache introduced me to the concept of financial freedom Uh, Which is obviously where you have enough assets and passive cash flow to cover your lifestyle expenses without the need for wage-paying work. And his approach is through frugality. So I completely embraced this mindset to escape the need for again wage-paying work as early as I possibly could. And after a year or so, I had accumulated a good twenty thousand dollars, twenty-five thousand dollars through some hard work, frugality, and a couple of little side hustles like driving for Uber. And then I was like, "What do I do with this?" And and a lot of you know, the financial community is obviously, uh, what's the right word here? They, they, they disagree on what the right way to invest your first amount of savings are. Um, but obviously, I stumbled upon real estate investing in a little site called Bigger Pockets. Started listening to the, the podcasts, uh, networking with local investors in the community, and decided, hey, this is the right move for me. Um, I'm going to go ahead and buy my first property and it's going to be a house hack. So one year later, 2014, I closed on a duplex, moved into half, one half of it, rented out the other half and began living for free. Um, I guess I'll give you some specific numbers on that duplex. I bought the thing for $240,000. I put down $12,000 so 5% using an FHA loan, moved into half of it, fixed it up. I, this, I think I closed on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and I had gone back to Maryland to visit my parents. So I actually did a, a out-of-state closing on the property. Didn't see it until the Monday that I moved back. Well, didn't move in the Monday after I moved back. Um, and yeah, it took me about two or three months to fix the place up. I put a roommate in my half and tenants on the other side and between the roommate paid five fifty 50 and the tenants paid eleven fifty, for $1,700 in total rent. And then my mortgage was 1550. So I was clearing $150 a month or basically breaking even after utilities and all and, and maintenance and all that. And that was great. My savings rate increased by 600, $700 a month because I wasn't paying rent anymore. And that's, that's how I got into the game.
0: That's awesome. that, And I have to just commend you. I mean, what a brilliant plan and it all worked though. It was supposed to, mm-hmm. um, I got to share my little initial house hack to show where it didn't go so great, but you know, it was all market timing. So, I mean, your market timing is great, but I, you know, fresh out of college, is like, hmm, I don't want to just throw all this money away in rent. I want to get a piece of the action. So, at age 21, you know, I'd saved um, some money. I think I'd only saved 15 grand, but I was only making 25 grand right out of college back in the last century. But anyway, I bought a three-bedroom condo and put roommates in. So I was bringing 700 a month of income, and my mortgage was probably 1400. But you know, I had some tax savings. Yeah, it wasn't so pretty back in um, 1990 when I did it, but um, it kind of all turned south on me a few, years, a few years later when I had moved out, moved on to the next place, and then the whole housing market kind of turned upside down. The place went from a value of 135 that I paid for it down to 75 and I ended up giving it back to the bank because I couldn't even keep it rented. So. Oh, man. Beware and be careful and be smart kids, but Scott did it the right way, awesome. So tell us, are you still living in that place or did you do something different?
1: Nope. So um, I actually was able to move out after about fifteen months and install some tenants in the unit that I vacated. Uh, since then, over the last few years, the rents have increased a little bit. So now I'm collecting thirteen hundred dollars per side, and I was able to refinance the property because I added some value, and of course the market uh, helped me out with some equity. Um, with that refinance, my mortgage payment dropped from fourteen hundred. I'm uh, uh, sorry, fifteen fifty to fourteen hundred. So I'm now collecting about $2,600 a month on a $1,400 mortgage on that property. And I'm doing it all over again, another house hack. So I live in the basement of of the bottom unit of this duplex and uh, rent out the top. Top produces $1,500 in rent and the uh, mortgage is two grand. And through that, combined with the other cash flow I've been getting, combined with uh, progress in my career and all that, I've also been able to save up enough to buy a quadplex, which I closed on in July of this year.
0: Awesome. So that's going to be your third property.
1: Third property. Yep.
0: Awesome. And then is that fully leased up or are you fixing it up or where are you at with that?
1: So when I, uh, I bought it, it had a full occupancy, but the uh, landlord had just evicted one. So I guess there's three, three of the four units were, were, uh, uh, rented. And so I fixed up the other place, put about five grand into that, uh, and, uh, basically redid the whole thing, got new tenants in there, and uh, Previous, the other units are renting for eight hundred dollars a month. This unit's renting for nine hundred twenty five after about five thousand of work so nice. I'm hoping to bring up the rents for all of the units over the course of the next year to that range and produce, increase my cash flow by about five hundred bucks
0: so a month the first two properties well, the first one I know you did an FHA loan with quite a low down payment that 's awesome because normally for those of you that are kind of new to the real estate investing game, at least in Southern California they require you to put at least 20% down. If it's an investment property, you've got to have more skin in the game. How was your second property? Did you also do that as an owner occupied FHA? Yep. So low down payment again, that is the beauty of FHA. Their mortgage insurance is a bit painful, but where else can you get in with such a low down, especially on investment property? Huh?
1: Yeah. I think, I think that the key, you know, the, the key to me for house hacking is, is first of all, I didn't have any money when I started. So, so how am I going to get, you know, my choice was either I put down 5% or I wait another three years, four years until I'm able to save up $60,000 to put down on that same property. Um, The other big advantage. So the other big advantage is, is leverage. When I put down 5%, I'm leveraged 19 or 20, you know, 19 to one, 20 to one. 19 to 1. So so every point of appreciation that I put that that I get on the property is actually a 20% ROI on my down payment. So that's an enormous benefit to house hacking there. Now, of course, the flip side of leverage is risk, right? You saw that with your with your property. Yeah. However, one thing that a house hacker can do to avoid that is if the rents that you're getting in most practical scenarios that you can kind of conceive of, will cover the cost of that mortgage, or at least enough of that mortgage to where you're far better off than you would be as a renter or a homeowner in your same area. You can mitigate that risk to a large degree. And the worst case for me uh, that I figured uh, with my first house hack and the current one is, okay, great, um, market crashes, I gotta stay there a few more years than planned and before I can buy the next house hack.
0: Okay. <laughs> So your third property, are you, you're you not living in that one, right? Nope. So that one, how did you buy that one?
1: That one, uh, I have a, a, a secret to how I accumulated all that cash, which is I saved it up one month at a time for several years in a row <laughs> and plopped down a, a 25% down payment with a partner. So I put down, but I put down, you know, close to 50 grand um, as just part of, the, part of the deal of hustling and working hard and saving for a long time.
0: Awesome. I I just think that you are just so worlds ahead of the average twenty something year old. That's so awesome, and you've used the term house hack a couple times. So why don't you go ahead and define that? I know that's commonly used on Bigger Pockets, but mm-hmm. in case someone hasn't heard that, go ahead and define what a house hack
1: is. Sure. So uh, the house hack is kind of broad term where it's just any any form of moving into a, an investment property a property that you intend to be part of your investment portfolio at some point in the future and using the advantages of owner occupancy to help you expedite your real estate portfolio so my case is i think is a good example i bought a duplex that duplex benefited me immediately by removing my rental obligations because my tenants were able to pay down that rent and it was a you know, it was designed, that purchase was designed, my lifestyle was designed to add that to my real estate portfolio down the line. Um, And I think that this is perhaps the single biggest step that a full-time worker can take to expedite themselves toward financial freedom. Housing expenses are about 33% of the typical American's household budget. So if you can wipe that out entirely, you're already saving a third of your salary uh, or at least you're spending a third less than than everybody else that you know, and you uh, are well on your way to to achieving financial freedom.
0: Well put. I can't wait for my um, soon-to-be graduating from college son to hear this, so that he can put it in action. Although it is tough, depending on what market you're in, I'm thinking might be um, pretty darn near impossible to do, like in downtown L.A. where he's considering working. And we haven't even said where you live. So, what
1: city do you live in? So, I live in Denver, Colorado. Definitely not not downtown L.A., San Francisco, or New York, but a fairly expensive city. Right. And so,
0: do you mind sharing? Um, I don't know if you did share the purchase prices. You did the first one was two hundred forty thousand, right?
1: Sure. The second one was three hundred sixty thousand. The mortgage is two thousand, and the upstairs rents for fifteen hundred. Right. I suppose I could get about twelve hundred for the basement unit. So okay. Not as much cash flow as the first property I bought, but I enjoy living there. So I may not move for a little bit longer uh, since I enjoy it. Third property, number three, I purchased for $355,000. I put down 25% with that partner and uh, that property produced produced $3,200. My, my estimate was $3,200 a month in rent, but I've been able to get 3325 with this new tenant. And I uh, expect to be able to bump that up to... 37 by the uh, end of next year so,
0: so I, I have a follow-on question here the second place you bought was 360,000 the mm-hmm. third place you bought was 355 and it's four units instead of two yep. so what is different are they in different areas and would you live in the fourplex or is that one like a lower grade we haven't even talked about grades of housing yet but tell us about that.
1: So the, the first two properties that I've bought, the ones I've lived in, uh, I were in areas of the market that I was exactly like, I interviewed investors and i identified target parts of the market. They were exactly in the middle of my strike zone in terms of where I wanted to be and where I wanted the property to be. They're not necessarily the places I would have chosen to live if I had unlimited means and no need to pursue financial freedom, but they were in places that I expected to do well. And, um, I've reaped that reward and the, you know, you can model out all you want appreciation routes and all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is you have to go and see for yourself and look at what is happening and see, Hey, 10 blocks South, there's a million dollar house, nine blocks South. There's a $900,000 house, eight, there's 800 and so on and so forth. This $300,000 house is in the path of progress. I see the developments going on nearby. I see the investment from the city. I see the light rail coming in. Um, those are the types of decisions I made with those properties with this quadplex. Um, I was a little bit more open. The market's been a little bit more, a little tough, tougher lately. And I was able to get this deal off market. It is not in my strike zone in terms of the area that I think is going to appreciate rapidly over the next few years. But the fact that I'm able to get $3,200 a month in rent on a $1,500 mortgage with opportunities to impre- improve that cash flow. And the property is only about a 10 minute drive from where I currently live, all wow. factored into that decision and made this a, uh, a strong purchase for me, even though it's not in the area that I think has the best prospects in town. But the, to answer your question directly, no, this is not one that I want to live in currently?
0: Well, that's awesome. That's only 10 minutes away. My rentals are at a minimum an hour away and as far as two hours away for me because I live in such an an expensive area. It doesn't make sense remotely. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. 10 minutes away. And um, if people were to look at the 1% rule that we frequently hear out there where you want to get 1% of your rents, (laughs) 1% 1% of the purchase price and monthly rents, you're real close with 3,200 per month in rent on a $355,000 purchase. I mean, that's pretty dang close, especially for, I mean, I think your market's been getting tougher to find um, the 1% rule also, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, and, and I'm pretty patient when it comes to these investments. I put, you I know, I, I plan, a, I'm probably gonna start looking again for my next property in about February of next year. And I will wait a month, six months, a year, however long it takes to find a great deal. And the way I found this property is I looked at every single deal. There's not, people are like, there's no duplexes that come on the market in, in Denver. Well, there's hundreds that have sold the last 180 days. Same with triplexes and quads. I just look at every single one that comes on the market, every single one that sells and look at the timeline. And then the next step I do, so I know what that allows me to do is that tells me, I, I know when I see a deal. Um, I know, Hey, it's time to drop everything, take off work and go and drive past this property and take a look and make an offer. So I actually went, took my girlfriend to Cancun for a little weekend getaway. And then I came back and I, I, I got to my back to my home and popped out my computer at five o'clock in the afternoon. And an agent, by the way, I also tell every single person I come across what I'm looking for properties, exactly what I'm looking for, where my targets are, what I, what my price range is, you know, my my financial capabilities, the fact that I'm serious, that I'm ready to go. And this agent had sent me along. He said, Hey, I got an off market deal for you. This guy's trying to sell. Um, I think there's going to be some management issues uh, with the property, but uh, uh, I thought it would be up your alley. He sent that at four 30. I got off the plane, got back to my desk at five, drove by at five 15, placed an offer by eight o'clock that night. Sight unseen, um, and that's I think what you have to do in order to find these kind of needles in the haystack. I haven't I haven't heard of another investment property going for less than one hundred thousand dollars per unit within the city limits of Denver in the last year or two.
0: Wow, good for you! Doing your homework and getting rewarded. Now, I mean, not every de- the good deals don't usually just fall from the sky with a bow on them, saying, you know, with the angels from heaven seeing going. Ooh! here's your wonderful deal. You have to work hard for him. You've got to do your due diligence, which you certainly did put in the time. So good for you. You earned it.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, there, there have definitely been a little bit more head, uh, management headaches with this one because I inherited three of the four tenants, but, uh, and, and I, I made a brief, I, I promised a washer dryer unit, uh, to my tenants. And that's proving to be not as practical as I was hoping. So I'm gonna have to spend an extra thousand or two to fulfill that promise. Um, but definitely with some learning mistakes in this one, but still I think overall a really good deal.
0: Now, what do you mean by you promised a washer dryer unit? There wasn't hookups for it. And so that's where it's going to cost you some extra.
1: Yes. I didn't promise the washer dryer. Uh, they said we want to move in, uh, but we want washer dr- washer dryer hookups. Was that an option? And I said, sure. You sign a lease uh, at this rate. We'll, we'll get you washer dryer hookups. Problem is the wall I wanted to install them on. And this is a rookie mistake that i made, made uh, is a exterior wall, so in Denver that will freeze in the winter. Mm. So I have to build an insulated partition sticking out from the wall, and then insulate it, and then put the washer dryer hookups in there. And that's going to cost me a little bit of money. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm going to keep my word to my tenants uh, and not screw them over. So that's just it's going to take me a week or two. And. Um, a couple thousand bucks. So whoopsies. Yeah. Oh, well, Wouldn't we have all make mistakes. Know.
0: You know, it's not, I love the Jim Rohn quote and I say it often. It's not win or lose, it's win or learn. So we're always, I'm yeah. still learning. I mean, last night I got a call from one tenant telling me another tenant was outside her window with a baseball bat, threatening her. I'm like, okay, how do I deal with this one? <laughs> like, of course, call the cops. But yeah. I never had that one before in my almost 10 years of being a landlord. I usually get pretty good tenants, but you never know. Off for meds. That's what happened. So, <laughs> all kinds of fun
1: stuff. <laughs> One of the pieces of advice I have for that is: there's always a guy in your market where you're investing that loves it. I, I enjoy real estate, but more than real estate, I enjoy the income and the wealth that it produces. There are some folks out there that love the the game of being a landlord and investing in real estate. There's a guy in Denver that I that I know. His he, I, I talked to him about real estate probably once a month just to kind of hang out and, and chat and learn from him. His idea, he was like, "You want to have a good time? <laughs> oh no, go to oh, no. go to eviction court on Wednesday morning, and you'll see some great <laughs> stuff from the landlords and tenants. You'll learn a you'll learn a lot." And he was he said it with the biggest smile on his face, and I was like, "This is the guy I want to go to when I'm having an issue because." There's he's no seen way, it all. Probably no, nobody's going to be better than, than that guy at, at dealing with these kinds of issues. You know, he's, he's going to have a world of experience because he loves it. And you got to go make friends with that kind of person for when you have those emergencies. I, that paid off because when, t- when I was doing a repair on one of my properties, um, I was a rookie and had turned off the heat because I didn't want to, I wanted to save money. Big mistake. Never turn off the heat. Well, pipe froze when I turn the heat back on to go work at the property. That's the sound of gushing water for everyone listening. Uh, <laughs> and I had, I was like, what do I do? What do I do? I call up this guy. He's like, okay, the water shutoff valve is going to be in the crawl space, crawl under it, turn right, turn left. He'd never been to my property, but, uh, and it'll be right there. Turn it off, call this number. This plumber will be there in a few hours and he'll fix your problem and you'll be good to go. And I was like, that, that kind of relationship will save you if you are a new investor trying to get started in this game. Um, there's no education you can do to prepare for unexpected problems besides having, having friends that know what they're doing.
0: That is awesome. What a great lesson for people to learn to, you know, not just be like a time and energy sucker of those experienced landlords and experienced investors, you know, be nice, buy them lunch. And a lot of them do love the sport of real estate investing and landlording. And they love when they have an audience to hear their stories or someone to go to eviction court with. You know what? I think one of the best opportunities at eviction court is to go offer, to buy those beaten down landlords, to buy their properties from them for the people that are not into the whole game. They're like, oh, shoot me now. Save me from these tenants, you know? So maybe it would be worth your while to go hang out there. Could be, yeah. Have a flyer or a card or something. Hey, are you tired of this? Um, I'll take it off your hands.
1: It's maybe I'll, a nice selling
0: financing subject to, like get all that worked in.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll try that in uh, February when I'm about to buy my next one.
0: Yeah, well, then you wouldn't even need to wait. You wouldn't need a down payment if you can get someone real desperate that lets you, you know, take over and... Put a little down payment. Just food for thought, you know.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. One of, the, one of the things for me is I I'm uh, I'm cautiously optimistic about the market. Um, I am afraid to stay out of the market because I think that it could continue to go up even though people think it's a topping out. So I'm, I obviously just closed in July, but I'm also afraid to buy too much and overextend. So I'm trying to stay consistent by a property that's reasonably within my means every year. Uh, in terms of my cash position and financial capabilities.
0: Very smart. And one difference between you and some investors is that your mortgage is well covered by your rents. So when yes. your rent, if your rents were to go down, you still have a lot of coverage and you're in it for the long haul. You're not looking to sell out as soon as like, oh, we're peaked out. So then you're not just gonna cash out and sell everything, right? I mean, you're in this for the long term, right?
1: Yeah. so the, I mean, the, the, I'll, I'll, I'll address both those comments. The the cash flow covering the mortgage is is fundamental to my decision making. I, I would not even consider buying real estate if the mortgage covered, you know, if my rent was two thousand and my mortgage is eighteen hundred, not even, not even close. Not even going to consider it. Um, I'm looking for at least a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars coverage over my mortgage, uh, depending on the size of the property uh, in order to, in order, in order to believe that I have a good chance of staying alive in the next market crash, staying, staying above, going above bankruptcy. Um, so that's, that's fundamental to my decision-making. And I just, I, I don't even look at properties that wouldn't cover that. Um, the sec, what was the second thing you said after, uh, after the, the cash flow? That
0: you're in it for the long haul.
1: Yes. So my, fundamental to my real estate strategy as well is this concept that I believe that Denver real estate and my local market is going to appreciate over the course of the next 30 years at or at a greater rate than inflation. Um, and I believe strongly in the prospects of the city. I'm invested in this city and I think that people like moving here. So maybe I'm buying at the peak or the bottom of the market right now. I have no idea, but I believe in 30 years that those bumps will be irrelevant. And I'll be looking looking back and being very happy with my decision to be in invested here in this market.
0: Amen, brother. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Well, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do for a day job?
1: Awesome. So for a day job, I work at biggerpockets.com, which is a, a site that perhaps many of your listeners will be familiar with. Um, we help the way I like to describe it is we help middle-class earners or upper middle-class earners achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. Uh, And there's a lot of different paths towards that. There's a lot of different strategies that work in different markets. People have made money in every strategy. So if anyone tells you this doesn't work, probably does. And if anyone tells you that this does work, it may not for you, depending on your conditions. So what we offer people is we give, we collect perspectives from real estate investors that are smart, uh, all over the country in all different disciplines and allow those perspectives to be juxtaposed against one another. And I think that that really improves your odds of achieving investment success. Um, as far as me, what I do is I run the financials there. I do ad sales um, and I uh, produce a lot of content for my audience, which I believe is the folks that are willing to make some lifestyle changes and sacrifices in order to pursue financial freedom, such as like uh, house hacking uh, biking to work, that kind of stuff. And, uh, I've produced a couple of, uh, a bunch of blog posts and a book.
0: Yeah. Tell us about your book. What's it called?
1: Uh, my book is called set for life. And the purpose of the book is to help someone starting with a median income, um, or, or higher, uh, you know, around a median income, 40 K or more a year and little to no assets outside, uh, the, outside their home equity or retirement accounts. And to take that person and put them into a position where they have hundreds of thousands of dollars in assets and thousands of dollars per month in passive cash flow within three to five years. And the way we do that is we have three steps in the book. Uh, step one is accumulating that first $25,000 in assets or what I like to call a year of financial runway. So if you have 20, the, the math is this, if you, have, if you can spend $2,000 per month you're going to save a lot of money per month and you're only going to need $25,000 to last a year without work. The more you spend, the less you're going to accumulate per month and the more you're going to need to sustain that financial runway. So whatever that number is, uh, is there, but the goal is to get around $2,000 per month, which I believe is achievable for a lot of single millennials. Um, next step going from 25,000 to a hundred thousand dollars in net worth once you you know, while continuing to live that low cost lifestyle, you're going to exploit the advantages that come with having a year of financial runway and low expenses. <laughs> Namely, you're going to do two things. One is house hack, uh, which, which completely eliminates housing expense and therefore extends your financial runway dramatically because you, you now have wiped out the largest expense in your life. And two, you're going to be able to, if you choose, and if you have the stomach for it, move away from a wage-paying job into a job that rewards performance. And most of the time, if you want to earn more money, not all the time, but often, those opportunities are going to come at the expense of a base salary. I believe you're a real estate agent, right?
0: Among other things, but yes. What's your yep. base
1: salary for being a real estate agent?
0: Zero. What's a your big income potential? Zero unlimited.
1: Yeah. So when you, when you, you know, by going down a path like that, you can potentially achieve, uh, earn a lot more. That's, that's an unacceptable. Let's say that you make $50,000 a year and you spend $45,000 a year and you have $5,000 in the bank. You cannot become a real estate agent. You won't last, right? Nope. You'll, you'll, you'll spend, you'll spend your whole savings in a month or two and be done. But if you have $25,000 in the bank and spend $2,000 a month, that's a much less scary proposition, and you have a really good shot at increasing your income to $100,000, $200,000, $250,000 a year, or more. So that's how you kind of, between the house hacking and pursuing an opportunity that actually has a potential to reward you, that's how you can help expedite that path to $100,000. Once you have $100,000, it's really time to begin thinking about invest- investing and how to deploy your capital. Um, and the reason it's not, it's not, it's not something to ignore in the, in the earlier stages, but it's just not as important. If you have $10,000 and you achieve, achieve a 10% annual return, great, you have $1,000. That's not going to change your life. That's not going to do anything differently for you. But if you're able to take $100,000 and achieve a 10, uh, you know, 10% return a year, or around a 1% return a month, that's $1,000 a month, a little less than $1,000 a month. But that can actually make a difference in your life. And so now it's time to kind of develop an investing strategy and build, uh, and and invest heavily in the asset class that you believe has the best shot at giving you financial freedom, uh, given the amount of work you want to put in and, and your risk tolerance. And, uh, yeah, you go from there.
0: Love (laughs) it. I just love how much you figured out such a young age. Wish I'd figured that much out back at your age. (laughs) Awesome. My hat's off to you. Well, um, Scott has generously offered for our free download this week, the introduction to his book. So you guys can go and download that at hardhatholly.com forward slash 75 because we're episode number 75. And you can also get that by texting to our text number 38470. That's 38470 and you text Hard hat. Squeeze it together, no spaces, as if it were one word. Hard hat to the number 38470, and you can get this download and all our past downloads as well. Well, Scott, give us kind of, I mean, you've had great advice throughout the whole show, and you're such inspiration to the young and the not so young, but kind of what's your final advice that you'd like to give as we sign off here?
1: Yeah. My, my advice would be to understand what makes you happy and eliminate the things that could potentially distract from that. So for me, what makes me happy is, is uh, a Saturday afternoon playing some rugby, with my rugby club, I'm a rugger, uh, grabbing some drinks with my friends, hanging out with my girlfriend. Those things don't cost very much money and I'm able to achieve that regardless of where I live, what I drive and all that other stuff. Maybe it's different for you, but if you can eliminate the expenses that you have to then work for, for your whole life to, to uh, fund these things that aren't actually making you happy, uh, you're going to be a lot better off if you can eliminate those and, and, and use the savings to... Uh, divert more of your time to the things you actually love doing.
0: Love it, love it, love it. Well, with that, guys... If this does inspire you, I don't know what can and will. I mean, Scott, you're awesome. Appreciate you taking time out of your um, personal Because I know you're off the clock there at Bigger Pockets. So thanks so much for sharing. What a great inspiration you are. You guys go out and get his book. Where
1: do they get your book? I'm assuming at biggerpockets.com is the best place? Yeah, you can get it at biggerpockets.com slash set for life, or you can buy it on Amazon, Audible, or Kindle, or Barnes & Noble, or wherever you want
0: great title set for life. Who wouldn't want that? And if people want to reach you, how do they reach you?
1: Check me out on biggerpockets.com. I'm very responsive. You can send me a message there. And I think my email is also on my uh, profile on bigger pockets. Just go to biggerpockets.com and search Scott Trench in the search bar.
0: Yeah. Bigger pockets is a great website. If you guys haven't been there, go check it out right now. Well, with that, thank you so much. And you guys get out there, take some action and make it happen. Thanks, Scott.
1: Thank you.